Welcome to the Homeschool Mama Self-Care Podcast. I'm Teresa Wiedrich from CapturingTheCharmLife.com. If you are a homeschool mama challenged by doubt, not sure you can do this homeschool thing. If you're a homeschool mama challenged by overwhelm, there are just too many things to do. Or if you are a homeschool mama unsure that the way you're showing up in your homeschool isn't the way you want to be showing up in your homeschool, then this is the podcast for you. I'm here to encourage you in your homeschool journey to help you strategize ways to turn your homeschool challenges into your homeschool charms. So welcome, homeschool mama. How to naturally take care of the homeschool mom who homeschools kids with special needs? Today, I get to introduce you to Julie Polanco. Julie Polanco is a master herbalist, aromatherapist, author, podcaster, blogger, speaker, and 19-year veteran homeschool mom of four wiggly sensitive kids. She had to develop self-care strategies early on as she learned how to mother and teach her posse of four special needs kids. She writes about what God taught her and the homeschool philosophy she adopted in her book, God Schooling, How God Intended Children to Learn. She's also the author of 100 No and Low Cost Ways to Motivate Kids, Who is Jesus, An Advent Journey of Discovery, and Two Bible Studies. Julie has not only dealt with self-care from an emotional mental perspective, she also deals with the challenges of physical self-care as she lives with fibromyalgia. Her health led her to develop a deep appreciation and passion for plants. So she's also the author of Talking with Plants Botany Unit Study and a one-semester high school botany course. And because she wants to help others enjoy the benefit of plant medicine, she shares her herbal and essential oil wisdom on her podcast, Crunchy Christian Podcast. Today, Julie and I discuss both of our experiences of letting go of our original homeschool approach in favor of our kids' actual needs and who they actually are. We discuss learning to include us and our interests in our homeschool, including that daily quiet hour so you can do your thing, and friends once a week too. We talk about Julie and her family's plant-based nutrition lifestyle. Why living naturally enables us and our families with healthier bodies and minds. Why it's important to study botany with our kids. And we talk about grounding, foraging, and nature guidebooks too. Why intentional unschooling helps kids with learning challenges like ADD, dyslexia, and Asperger's. How kids with learning challenges spur us homeschool mamas to personal growth. Oh yeah, we just do a lot of giggling there. And why it's important to get your child assessed if you're uncertain about their learning challenges. So much to chat about with this lovely soul. So let's get started. When I was a little girl, I loved to pretend that I was a DJ. Uh, it was it was one of those, I, I had one of those little cassette recorders. Me too. <laughs> That is so wild. Yeah, and I, I, my parents still have tapes of me and my sister. I would have her as like this guest and everything. So um, (laughs) I I was a DJ in in college. Uh, It was, um, they had not really maintained the station very well. And when I found it out, I was like, ooh, let me kind of help revive this. And, um, And then when I 
discovered that, oh, podcasting is a thing and you don't need all this fancy equipment. You just, I mean, you really just need audacity and a good mic and that's really about it. Yes, I know. <laughs> Ooh, that anybody could do this. And I was, I was thrilled and I thought, oh, that is so, that just sounds so fun. And I would love to reach a new audience that way. And, um, and so that's, it was really just because I thought it would be a fun way to reach people. <laughs> so welcome, Julie, to the podcast, to uh, Homeschool Mama's Self-Care Podcast, which is all about the wellness for homeschool moms. You are a homeschool mom, and you focus on the wellness of homeschool moms, too, even teaching them how to engage all of that, especially around botany. But for those that don't know you, will you introduce yourself? Well, I'm Julie Polanco. Um, I... I do podcast and I do, uh, I do have some books that help, um, that help moms. Um, but first of all, I, I have been homeschooling. I have four children. Um, two of them are graduated and grown and onto their own things. And the other two are in high school now. Uh, and, um, I've been doing this for about 19 years. So we've, we've always homeschooled and, um, my my journey started out kind of rocky a little bit <laughs> and um and i i really i really felt that um that need for fellowship for um for self care uh, i have all of my kids have some kind of special need they're cognitively normal but um they have add asperger's dyslexia you know, those kinds of things, uh, sensory issues, food allergies, all of those kinds of things that really challenge a mom and also can make it difficult to be ex accepted by other homeschool moms sometimes. Um, because I often, even in a homeschool group where you think that people would be more accepting and loving and be open to, um, to how you homeschool differently, that isn't always the case, especially with uh, those invisible disabilities. They see your kid jumping around and getting into everything and touching everything, and they just automatically thought that I was a bad parent. And they didn't always get to know me and find out, well, no, my child with Asperger's, she touches everything. That's mm -hmm. yeah, what they do. And my kids with ADD, well, you have to pick your battles. Like, you can't yell at them for every little thing that they're doing. And, you know, it's, it, are they doing something morally wrong? Or are they just being wiggly people that need to move to learn? And, um, and so I, had to, I did have to learn some things early on about what's the best way to not only teach them, but how to take care of my inner self because yeah. I just was going to go crazy if I didn't do something to help um, just uh, solidify and, and ground myself so that I could really enjoy who they are right. and teach them the way they need to be taught and, um, and enjoy the ride and have peace. So. so when was it that you were really clear that say your oldest had a challenge like that? Um, well, when, um, 
we we saw it as early as about three four years old that this child she learned very quickly um she learned to read when she was four which was the earliest of all of my kids i mean because i said i have one that has severe dyslexia and she wasn't the one so that was great because it showed me it wasn't me <laughs> um but um so she but she had to move around a lot so it become it became evident really early and then her little brother he uh he too has the wiggly uh gene and um so we had decided that we were going to homeschool because i saw uh i, I saw a, ma a magazine article and mothering magazine about it but um when i started teaching them uh when she like in earnest um because we know when we're homeschooling all along like you're you're always teaching them but like really starting to get more formal and serious about it and um she was about you know i don't know five six years old like you know uh, normally and i tried to use a curriculum with her um and kind of bring her little brother along and uh, that really wasn't working out very well um and it was kinds of things are recommended by other moms um that were in the support group that i was part of and things that i had seen in magazines and stuff like that and really wasn't working out very well uh this child that loved to learn she just became a little bit passive aggressive and uh it was really it's like really like pulling teeth to get her to do things that I knew that she was doing really well on her own, but she wouldn't do it for me. And her little brother, a couple years later, because I persisted for a while, you know, I, I, I'd have to say, I it was like, well, I'm the parent, I'm going to be the one and you need to do what I want you to do. And, um, and of course, like a lot of newer homeschoolers, you, you're, you're very attached to the way that you were taught as well and um but when he came along he just he would just sit there and say nope i'm not doing it um i i just he just refused to do it but <laughs> he didn't do the passive aggressive thing um where he pretended to do it he just refused <laughs> to do it and um yeah he he really sort of helped uh expedite the learning process for me in terms of saying all right you need to change something you need to change what you're doing because you're gonna exasperate the kids and you're gonna wear yourself out and you're just not going to be able to do this journey together and you're going to end up really not liking your kids very much and right. they're delightful people but just not delightful when I tried to get him to do the curriculum. <laughs> so, <laughs> I want you to know um, that I can entirely relate to your word, <laughs> except I probably perseverated longer, much, much longer mm -hmm. than I should have with my oldest. And I even tried to do the well-trained mind, Susan Wise Bowers, well-trained mind okay, for yeah. a few yeah. years. So, yeah. <laughs> and my, yeah. I've come to understand later that my oldest actually does have a learning challenge and I didn't identify mm. it that way. I actually looked at her and I thought you're just trying to be oppositional and yeah. I did take it that way. And I did engage her in that way. And it only cemented certain unhealthy approaches 
to either approaching me or to her learning until I completely left it all to do unschooling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. And that, that's what we ended up doing too. Yes. That's what we ended up doing. Uh, that's what I felt led to. And it, it gave me some peace and it, um, it really helped our relationship yeah. and yeah. they were able to learn in the way that they learn best. Um, there are still some rules and parameters around that. Um, and, uh, it's sort of a fine line sometimes I felt between parenting and teaching, but, um, but that is what we ended up doing too. And it allowed me to engage in my interests and, um, and that really helped to feed my soul and helped to show them some things that they might not have been able to be exposed to otherwise. So, um, that was part of my own self-care was to engage my own interests and respect the fact that I'm still a person, not just mom. <laughs> I, I want you to know that what you just said is my story, is my heart. Mm. I've had the same experience. <laughs> I've had so many moms say to me, like moms that aren't necessarily homeschooling moms or that are younger homeschool moms say, but where do you find time for yourself? Like if you're going to homeschool, you are definitely not going to find time for yourself. And that can be so. If you push through and, you know, decide that you're going to homeschool very traditionally and you are going to get all the things done that everybody else is doing in the local yeah. school, or at least maybe they're not doing it in the local school, but it is definitely on the learning outcomes at the local school. And when you do um, approach it that way, maybe you won't get any time, but I've learned that actually you can sculpt your life, your homeschool life, your just entire mm-hmm. life so that you do include you. So I'm curious about your story around that. Well, we've had a lot of fun because I, because of the food allergies and because of my own um, health issues, uh, we, I, I, I have had to do a lot of things from scratch and I have had to really embrace a very natural lifestyle. Um, And so I just made that part of our homeschooling. I, I just learning to cook and even um, do sourdough and do fermenting, other types of fermenting and all of that became part of science lessons. And that was something I really enjoyed. I mean, and doing some of the herbal medicine type of stuff um, also became part of the science. And the other types of things were getting together with one other mom and doing some book club types of things and having some private quiet time for, uh, for myself, um, to be able to press in and feed my soul. (laughs) Um, I, I instituted quiet time for everyone. I, I was like, okay, I don't care if you need a nap or not. I need a break. I need something for me. And so I, just said, you know what, you're just, you guys are just going to go and be in your room and you're going to just, you know, be um, reading or playing quietly with your Legos or whatever, no screens. You just be in there and do something quiet for an hour while I have some time for me. And it's very tempting to say, oh, I'm going to clean during that time. Yes, you have to really protect that time. You have to really protect and say, well, the kids can learn to clean and make it a family thing that you clean uh, together at the end of the day, or 
instead of you use you exhausting yourself. So um, that was something I've, I instituted very early on was um, was that one hour in the day, every day, <laughs> to be able to have some space for myself. And I also, once a month, I would have that girl time, I guess, with one other mom who had similar kids to mine. I know that's hard for some moms. They don't always have that. Um, but even just getting out alone for a little while while dad has the kids or grandma has the kids or you know maybe you have sort of a cooperative arrangement with some other parents where you rotate watching each other's kids um we did do that for a little while too um getting out and having some time to just read a book that you want to read that doesn't have anything to do with homeschooling or child development or anything like that just a fun book for you <laughs> doing your crafts that you like to do uh that you don't have to stop and be teaching someone else your craft um or just taking a little workshop or class in the neighborhood um taking that time and working that out with others uh, is really important. Um, if you can swing that where you live and with the um, community that you're in, because uh, that was another thing that was really important um, to me that helped a lot, especially when the kids were small. Those are really good ideas for finding place for you, for your quiet or for your sense of separateness, especially when you've got kids with challenges. Like we obviously were given the kids that were given. So we don't know what it's like to have kids that either don't have challenges or, you know, not having a child that is you fill in the blank. We have the kids we have. And I actually think every homeschool mom should find their place of separateness, but it certainly is going to take a lot more energy, sap a lot more energy when you're engaged in the way that you are with your kids. So thanks for sharing those ideas. I, I would love to hear more about your natural living approach and the things that you share online as well, because you develop a whole bunch of printables for homeschool parents. They're really great printables, really affordable. Um, I think you probably got them on every topic out there. You've got, <laughs> um, you know, a lot of nature-based learning. You even got a post on the best picture books, how to approach um, nature for kids with uh, who love electronics. Like that's got to be your most popular post. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I, as I mentioned, I have had to embrace a lot of natural health. That's, um, I have fibromyalgia and um, I am incredibly blessed that I have been able to find a way to live with that, that I don't have to suffer as much as I have seen some other women be really debilitated by that. Yeah. Um, I am on a paleo diet and, um, and it's also, I also incorporate some of the things from the autoimmune protocol. That's part of that um, because I do have some of the additional <laughs> sensitivities of that and um, all the chemical things. So I've sort of been forced to embrace some of the things that I do, but I also feel that it's really the healthiest way to live in some ways is, is that um, trying to embrace as much plant-based things as possible. And that when I say plant-based, I don't necessarily mean like being a vegetarian. Um, I mean, plant-based in terms of a whole foods diet um, and also uh nature-based remedies as much as possible and 
um, with the understanding that that isn't always possible, but as much as possible. Um, and that that's really what's best for our bodies. And that's what has been helpful to me. And that's also what's been helpful to my children. When I saw them with all, when, when they arrived with all these issues um, and they have food allergies and chemical sensitivities as well, some of them more than others, um, then it, I really wanted very much that they would grow up and not develop the chronic health issues that I have had develop with me. And um, I started to see some of those things very young. Um, when I was in college, they told me I was developing rheumatism in my hands and knees. And I'm, I'm just like, I'm 19 years old. Yeah, that's How can really I be having rheumatism? Are you kidding me? Um, and um, so, and I, and I've, I've watched other members of my family just go through one medication after another and just get wor progressively worse and develop new problems. And so to me, it's like, well, that is not an option. That is just not even an option. I'm not doing that. Um, so that's become a lifestyle for us is that we just using natural cleaners and eating as close to the earth as possible um, and using natural remedies whenever possible uh, just to um, just trying to approach things from uh, from understanding the relationship between plants and people that were essentially made of the same stuff <laughs> plants can work so well with people and there's so much science there to teach kids um, both between the human body and with the plants and unfortunately uh, most teaching about botany ends at third grade and there's just so much more to learn than what we have been taught um I, and it, the, one of the most interesting things is that you know plants have almost all of the same sort of body systems as people do and um we're not generally taught that and it often doesn't even go very deep in terms of how photosynthesis works like how do plants change light into sugar like it's a really quite amazing process and um so that's why i developed those materials i is to try to help kids uh, develop a relationship with plants and understand that they're there for us and that um, that they can be useful for far more than just, uh, oh, they're interesting and they smell good, you know, <laughs> but more than that, that they, um, they can heal us, they nourish us, and um, they are, there are a lot of things about plants that are a lot like us. Um, and to bring it to high school is not just to grade school, but to bring it to high school so that older kids can develop an interest in that and help fill some of those shortages that we're starting to see in the botanical fields. There are like more than a hundred different fields, uh, for people that are, have to do with plants and there's a shortage of people to fill those spots um which is really uh interesting in, in that there's an emphasis on stem but it's mostly tech 
-hmm. and tech and medicine primarily. It's not plants. Um, in fact, you know, that people spend less and less time out with plants. Um, and that really, <laughs> it's a shame. You've actually tapped into one of my big interests is gardening. Mm -hmm. You know, I've got a fruit orchard and I've got a giant garden and I've learned a lot about foraging. I haven't learned enough about mushrooms to make sure that we all survive, but there are a lot of <laughs> mushroom pickers or foragers in this mm -hmm. area. And, um, you know, I've got goats and chickens and all of that. So I'm pretty mm. sure I've got dirt under my fingernails. I absolutely love botany. That's my area mm. of interest, biology in general. But one of the kids um, experiments that we did, or one of the experiments that we did with the kids over the years is actually, and of course, this is one of their favorites for the obvious reason that we would make plant cells versus animal cells with candy. <laughs> so yes. the thing that you're trying to share, but they did really love this. And to determine, you know, what a cell membrane looks like and all the different things inside the cell versus what an animal cell was. But the most very basic thing, and you could look that up online and find something like that. I bet you have that, but not in the candy. <laughs> I also have um, a lot of interest, obviously, in gardening, but starting your kids in the garden when they're really young and recognizing mm -hmm. where your food comes from. And my two oldest kids would plant a ginormous garden of carrots. And then on the very last day before it frosted or right after it frosted, before it snowed, we'd pull like... I don't know, pounds and pounds of carrots. And I've got these <laughs> little pictures with them with their dirty carrots. And we've just kind of continued that kind of approach in, into their, you know, into their adulthood, because I have two kids graduated as well, and two still at home. But that is like a healthy living. It really just helps you understand where your food comes from. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that our culture in general has a real solid sense. And I know that because I was that person. Like I was 19 saying, oh, is it going to rain today? Like rain is not a good thing. It should be sunny all the time, which is not a reality. If you want to eat food, it needs to rain and you need to have all the beautiful conditions for food to grow. But there's, you know, there's chickens laying eggs in my yard. I learned how to process chickens last year, which I'm told by my family, we're not allowed to do again. And I've got <laughs> PTSD. Uh, the chicken we had yesterday that was on somebody else's farm, that was delicious. But, you know, I've got goats and I'm hoping to actually um, have one of the Nubians actually have babies next year. And there's something about like, so, you know, organic living, natural living. I know that mm -hmm. not everyone in homeschooling is drawn to this kind of living, but it is so satisfying and the only thing that's not satisfying is going into a public place and people looking at your fingernails and going, dang, like, that doesn't look satisfying. <laughs> <laughs> I clean them right away, but it doesn't take very much. Yeah. Or dropping by my house and realizing that there is a lot of hay in the front mudroom. <laughs> <laughs> on the floor but so where is your interest in natural living originating from is that something that you studied early on because you have incredible resources on your website well thank you um well I I, I grew up in suburbs that were undeveloped like there were empty lots and things still and um, I spent a lot of time in um in vacant lots as a kid you know, <laughs> Me too. Still, like you know like the time when 
parents just kind of said, well, you know, just you guys could go down the block and everybody just ran all over the neighborhood. And, and I, I just, I was fascinated by, um, by the plants growing there and would just freely eat them just to see what they were. And I, I had a very active imagination about some of these things too, like the, the milk, the milkweed pods and the cattails just, I just found it fascinating that these just such interesting varied seeds would just be available and grow there. And my parents took us camping a lot too. So, um, and I was a Girl Scout and I spent a lot of time in the outdoors. So it was just kind of part of my growing up was to spend time in the woods and, and the, and the vacant lots and empty fields and, and stuff like that. I was, I actually cried when they ended up building a house on the lots. <laughs> it's like, Oh no. <laughs> it's like you had similar childhoods, like somewhere in the seventies and eighties. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Wander the neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds right. So you, you speak about eight benefits to botany on one of your um, yes. your articles, you speak about agriculture, eating seasonally, therefore gardening, um, medicinal mm-hmm. choices, wilderness survival. Tell me a little bit about what you think the benefits to botany are. Well, um, I mean, as, as you've mentioned, I think that it's really um, important. There are several fields of study that it's really important there's um and why kids should study botany so the benefits of studying it is that you actually get um if you get out in the field with the plants instead of um learning about it from a book say um so you're out in the garden you're out in the prairie the prairies and open fields and the marshes and wetlands you're out uh, even in the desert um the north 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 america is one of the few places that actually has plants in the desert um most of the deserts of the world don't have any plants so getting out there um it it gets you in touch with something um that you can't get from being around concrete and buildings and and i live near a major city (laughs) so it it um there's a lot of uh just health benefits of being out in nature so um they say that children who spend time on farms are healthier and have fewer allergies um, because they get dirty, because they're spending time um, with animals and plants. And the soil, which sounds gross, yes. but, you know, you yes. talked about grounding <laughs> at some point, having your feet on the ground. And it sounds gross, yes. but we're made where I should say our, our entire body is enabled by all of these microorganisms or this bacteria that actually we can coexist with what's in our environment. It is actually better for us, for our digestion, which what we're learning now, our second brains, it's really our our digestive system and it's feeding our overall sense of well-being. Yes. And when your feet are, when you're out um, with thinner soled shoes, let's say like moccasins or like leather bottomed shoes and some of these uh, minimalist footwear, your feet are grounded on the ground and you're receiving free electrons from the earth that help bring that sense of well-being too and contribute to why children who do have issues with 
ADD or anxiety, depression, adults with depression, they feel better when they spend more time out in nature. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Even if it's just at a park where there's a lot of grass, it's better when you're out in a place that's a little bit more wild. But even if you can get out to, um, you know, Central Park in New York or out to Grant Park in Chicago or, you know, something place like that where there's still a lot of green space and trees, you can still get the benefits of that. And um, they've done studies where with people where being outdoors in those wild, those kinds of green spaces, it, it does help people to have a better mood fight depression, less anxiety, gets the wiggles out of the kids with ADD. They call it like green therapy. So there's all of those benefits. And what you were saying with the with the food, you understand where your food comes from. And also the other benefits with that is, is that you're more in touch with our, our harmony with everything. I know that sounds maybe a little... A little, I don't know, out there, but we yeah. we need yeah. to be in touch with what with the living things that we're part of, you know, with with the rest of natural created things. Um, so it, we're part of that. Yeah, I mean, knowing the names of 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 flowers and and trees and plants and stuff, then it helps you understand their uses and um, helps you have a greater appreciation for that and. Kids who spend time in wild places, climbing trees and digging in the dirt and building forts and eating milkweed pods and stuff like that are the ones who are going to have better stewardship of that, too, because they have a personal relationship with it. When I first moved here, um, we we're on a like a three acre homestead in the mountains, right on the edge of the mm-hmm. river. And uh, even the people in the local town that's about they're about twenty minutes away. They think we're like out in the middle of nowhere, which is not true. There's a lot of people here. <laughs> you know, we are truly nestled in a little mountain riverside. Mm-hmm. And when I first moved here, I thought, well, I want to like learn all the plants and how can I forage them and how can I make my own essential oils, which didn't turn out so well. But or you know, use dried varieties of things or, you know, just try to use all the different aspects of it. And I thought I have to like read through a book and get through a book to learn it. But I learned that the more that I spend time outside, and of course, I have guidebooks too, but I spend time outside, I do find a way to understand what works and what doesn't not necessarily by like Mm -hmm. trying every poisonous mushroom or colorful mushroom out there. That is not a recipe for healthy living, but, you know, actually learning that, oh, I've got wild raspberries out there and I can make those mm-hmm. into the best jam ever. Yes, it has mm-hmm. sugar, but it's the most amazing jam that you cannot find in a grocery store or, you know, learn that you can, and I don't do this regularly, but eat uh, dandelion leaves, the early mm-hmm. dandelion leaves. They're kind of like arugula or, you know, there's a lot of other things like plantain, uh, and comfrey that are really good to put on as compresses to put on, um, you know, bruises or abrasions, things like that. And I thought I would never learn this stuff unless I read books about it. But the best way to do it or learn about it is actually to be in it. And that I call it nature therapy. So I didn't know it was called green <laughs> therapy. And it really does. It's so useful to me. Yeah. No, that's great. That, that's it's beautiful. That's beautiful. 
You speak yeah. about six benefits of outdoor play, and I feel it, the need for outdoor play, but I know that our kids naturally follow our interests when they're littler. And then when they're older, they kind of like, yeah, well, that's nice that you like to garden, but I'm going to go do something else. <laughs> my experience. Um, or the animals, that too. Not everybody's interested yeah. in the animals. Yeah. But, you know, you talk, uh, you have an article that talk about the six benefits of outdoor play, about vitamin mm -hmm. D, and which we all need, especially in the Northern Hemisphere, earthing, which is what we were speaking to before about actually standing on the earth and feeling the earth yeah. um, with our feet. And of course, exercise, fresh air, increasing your immunity, and even enabling better sleep cycles. Like, how yeah. could you not want to go outside after that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and people don't realize that just spending time outside can really impact so many parts of their lives because um, we spend so much time just sitting indoors. Um, you know, it's like flip-flopped over the past like 100 years or so where people used to spend 70% of their time outdoors and now they spend 70% 70, 70 of their time indoors. And um, it I just wonder if there's some relationship with why we now experience so many more illnesses that didn't seem to be a problem, as much of a problem or as they are now. Uh, if some of it isn't because of the more sedentary indoor time that we spend. And also uh, the indoor air is more polluted than outdoors. We don't always think about that either. Is like, yeah, yeah, the majority of people's experiences. Probably not if you're in India right now. No. <laughs> no. Yeah, my experience too. In fact, the last few weeks, I haven't been able to go outside um, and deal with the animals and do all the things I normally would do because I've had a couple of eye surgeries in the last couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. And my husband is like, you really shouldn't be trying to um, corral the alpine goats who have horns and you know <laughs> they're not aggressive they like me clover and thistle they're really cute but the potential is there and I have a yeah. great peer puppy who is a hella handful that girlfriend um, <laughs> if you have a large guardian dog you know what I'm talking about but and so <laughs> like you really shouldn't go outside so I did a mini experiment and I learned I really want to go outside it feels so enlivening and so peacemaking. Like I just feel so much mm, more quiet. Mm -hmm. Like my, my whole system mm -hmm. kind of slows down to the beat of the outdoors. It just brings feelings of calm and like, uh, you know, just being there, sit outside a nice crisp morning. You know? yeah. <laughs> Watching... <laughs> what do you like to do I, outside? Well, I, I live very close to Lake Michigan. So I do like to go and kayak out there, um, out there sometimes. And, uh, you know, winter time, it's more of the cross country ski kind of thing. Um, and, uh, but I, I do like the hiking and, uh, and the kayaking and cycling as well. Uh, we have a lot of really nice uh, bike paths around here that, pretty much goes from you can you can take a bike from one side of the state to the other using wow. bike paths wow. which is really That's just really cool I, they just rip they just paved over some old railroad tracks for a good part of it and uh and so you you can do that so i do like to do that as well doing the cycling hiking kayaking and uh cross-country skiing
So you, you know, I want to circle back to what we were talking about with, you called them wiggly kids or, you know, kids with challenges. How do you be intentional in showing up on purpose with your kids? Well, um, even though we've adopted a more unschooling approach, I like to think of it as intentional unschooling where I, I look at their interests. I look at the fact, okay, these guys are wiggly. They're not going, they generally like to learn hands-on. And I also uh, look a little bit at sort of their love language and, um, and okay, some kids like to learn on their own. They like to do the project by themselves and others like to have me sit there with them and do that, do it with them. Um, my older son, he preferred, he just said, all right, just give it to me. And I'm just going to do it on my own. And, you know, the one that <laughs> he, um, and so it was being intentional about providing the right resources for them, sort of holding them accountable for actually spending their time doing it and not uh, kind of getting distracted. But I did, I, I tried to really meet them where their passions were and provide the right uh, stimulation for their passions. Because with kids with um, wiggly kids, ADD kids, kids with ADD, they do uh, tend, they do tend to really be able to focus, hyper-focus on things that they really want to do. So I thought, well, if I try to engage that most of the time, maybe it will help them learn to focus better on things that they don't really want to do. Like, you know, maybe they don't really want to read or practice reading because, well, reading is really hard, but, well, you do have to be able to read. And other challenges that maybe they aren't their favorite, but by work by being someone that they can trust because I'm being respectful of who they are and how they are put together and what their interests are and then providing the materials and for them to be able to pursue those things then there's more of a collaborative effort when it comes to things that I know as a parent they still need to learn and still need to do and we can talk about the best ways to go about doing that so um, I try to be available in that regard with them and um, be intentional about providing those things. And other, other ones didn't care as much about projects and leave me alone. They're like, oh, you know, tell please just help me move through it. Because like the, the ones with Asperger's, especially the um, younger daughter, she... Um, she needed a plan. She wanted to do her own interests, but she needed me to plot it out for her. So in some cases, I still needed to use some kind of a curriculum because I, I can't sit, I, I, it's so time consuming to sit there and decide myself, like, okay, what are we doing each day? It's like, well, you might as well just pick up, pick up the curriculum that's already planned, right? So, um, and we, I would just modify it the way that we needed to modify it for her. But that's how she learned best. So it wasn't me imposing on her. It was her asking for that. And then we could be intentional about doing that and helping her in the way that she needed to learn best. 
Has it forced you to hone in to who they really are and how to encourage who they really are? And it forced a lot of personal growth. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amen, sister. <laughs> we'll just <Yeah>. laugh. <laughs> that, that, that has been, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that the, the, the children with ADD are graduated and I was younger <laughs> with them. <laughs> Me too, but I truly wish I could go back and yeah. not see it as a personal thing or somehow as uh, a relational thing. And yeah. I wish I could have seen, oh no, this is just this and then engaged it that way. I think sometimes we and it's funny that I'm saying this because people will know me from 15 years ago. They would think, oh, that's very different than what I would have thought. But there's a value in actually going out and having someone assessed for the purpose of yeah. how you are going to engage them. Not so that they can get a label and then everybody knows that they have a label. No, not that. But like, actually, how are you going to approach them and what resources can you enable for them? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. That that was what I found the value to be is that it's better to know, and then you know how to help them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And how they can help themselves, because at some point, they have to own that and understand um, what I like to tell them as it's a reason, not an excuse. Right. You understand right. why you are like that but it also tells you these are the areas where you have some challenges and you need to figure out how you're going to be able to operate in a world that doesn't care I mean you know that they don't need to know all of your issues right I mean they have to be able to work in a in the same kind of environment that someone that doesn't have those challenges they have to understand how to handle it and um, it it was helpful to me to to be able to say okay, this child is, is not a, doesn't have a discipline issue, um, that it's not me, it's not uh, them trying to be oppositional defiant, or there's not a, it's not rebellion or anything, it's that they have a legitimate issue. And, um, and then I, I was able to move forward and understand that. And I, as just as you said, I was able to help them then. And and um, and see them thrive instead of this constant like grading and friction and and that too. Um, it was a relief to be honest. <laughs> Other homeschool moms that have challenges like these, if you can think of a book or two or maybe a website that would help direct them. But I also ask that you share a little bit about the books that you have written because you've got you're prolific. Like you got all sorts of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and they are very, they, they sound very useful. So would you share a little bit about that? And maybe even what you're reading, because I love books. <laughs> my, my first book um, is God's Schooling, How God Intended Children to Learn. And that sort of tells the story of how I kind of went from curriculum based and how I felt and um, and how I learned and what God taught me through my journey and the things, not only that I learned through what he taught me, but things I learned from reading a lot of books, <laughs> I read a lot of books and a lot of websites and what my kids taught me too. And how, uh, how the, the developmental, uh, 
perspective on things can impact learning. And I kind of separated into different age groups to help uh, people see what's really appropriate at different ages, because it's not what society tells us. And um, uh, so that's, that is uh, the first book and it's, it's pretty, it's pretty popular. Right? Um, and uh, you can, I mean, all the, though that book is available pretty much everywhere. Um, you can order it through your local bookstore if you want. Uh, the second one is a hundred known low cost ways to motivate kids. And it's kind of a companion to the God schooling book in that it provides some, it's just, I mean, it's really just a book of ideas, to be honest, uh, to help jumpstart your homeschooling or help you, help your, you and your child to make subject areas relevant. Because that's one of the big questions that we always get. Why do I have to learn this? Uh, you know, what does that have to do with anything? Well, that book is designed to help answer that question. <laughs> and, um, and it, it really is meant to spark uh, ideas, and it, it doesn't give directions for how to do the ideas necessarily, but most of them don't require any extra stuff. That's why it's no and low cost. And it does go even for through teens. It's for ages 6 to 16, I like to say. Uh, so it's for everyone, uh, because I think teenagers ask that question more than anybody. Um, and then I have... Two Bible studies, and those are meant for the busy mom, uh, so they can work through uh, the book of Romans or the book of Philippians in just 10 to 20 minutes a day, which is sometimes all we've got, and um, to help them grow in their faith and feel like they're uh, really digging into scripture in those short moments that they have. It's just a few questions, and it's all based just on you just read the scripture and you just answer the questions. I do have a an Advent book that um, people are really liking. It's Who is Jesus? And that's also mostly for teens uh, because, you know, after a while they are like, oh, I've heard the story, you know, so many times. And it's like, well, let's rediscover the the story behind the story in some ways. So it, it helps teens to maybe see the whole thing afresh. The other things that I offer are around botany. So I have a talking with plant series and that's there's one with flowering plants, there's one on gardening, and um, next year I'll be coming out with one that's with trees. So I separate them out because I have different characters that tell the stories. So there's a it, it's the plants tell about themselves, which I think is really fun. Yeah. <laughs> you get to sit in as the plants talk to each other and Try to decide, well, you know, is a monocot better than a dicot? And, you know, you learn a little bit about the plant, the specific plants, as well as their plant families. The first one is called Helianthea because it's Helianthus is the Latin name for the sunflower. And Zea maize is the Latin name for corn. And so we get to see how they interact. Um, and then I do have a high school botany course. Um, and uh, there's there's a bunch of other stuff that's like also there's like an intro to essential oils course that's kind of a mini thing um, for uh, for parents and teens and, um, and there's some other things that are in the works as well. I, I like to take a fun immersive approach with the botany so that kids really 
get to have some fun with the plants. I'm going to post about how you can, I think, introduce plants in kids' storybooks or picture books, mm-hmm. which, I mean, it doesn't matter how old my kids get. I love picture books. And it's just like a very quick, you know, it's got a beautiful illustration. It's a very clear, succinct um, explanation of whatever the topic is in the book, but really great post on that. And um, I'm curious, do you have any books that are associated or are any books that would help encourage homeschool moms with kids that have the kind of challenges that your kids have? I haven't read good ones in a while. One, a website that has been especially helpful to me was Attitude. They have a magazine and they have a website with lots of great posts, great research. Um, It's spelled A-D-D. I-T-U-D-E. So it's attitude. <laughs> um, and uh, that was very helpful to me. It was, they have a lot of practical articles as well as um, like tools, because uh, they do some reviews of products too. But they also, um, they also talk about things like nature therapy, green therapy for kids, and they talk about uh, organizational systems and, and things like that. That was very helpful. One of the, well, one of the books that was recommended to me when my son was diagnosed, um, one of the things that they talked about was, was was what I was mentioning before, which is emphasizing their strengths and turning all the things that kind of annoy you all. They're impulsive. They they uh, are not. They don't plan. They you know uh, forget things and you know all these kinds of things that we see as negative. Like reframing everything as positive in positive ways. Um, the, one of the saddest things I ever heard was sitting in on um, meetings with parents who would talk, oh my goodness, they said so many bad things about their kids. And the kids sometimes were sitting there while they were talking about them. And it just, it made me want to cry. It's, it's like, well, the child can't help it. And they were given those traits for a reason. They're they're not um they're not uh bad traits per se it's they're only bad if you see them as in a certain light because you can always turn it to a positive and help them see the thing the different um add traits as an asset and not as something that's always negative like though they're spontaneous oh you know instead of saying that oh the child is easily distracted you can say oh well they're able to multitask you know i mean you you know you're putting it in in a way that makes them feel good about themselves and also what you're telling yourself as a parent is also helps you to do that so anyway um yeah i I, I can't remember the books right now, I but yeah, we can list them in the show notes. You have given us so many things, so much food <laughs> <for> thought. <laughs> Tell us where we can find you online. I'm at julienaturally.com. And, you know, you can find me on Facebook at Julie Naturally. You can find me on Instagram at Julie.Naturally. And on YouTube, Julie at Julie Naturally. You know, YouTube slash C slash Julie Naturally. So I'm, I'm all over as Julie Naturally. So. Julie Naturally. That's easy to remember because you're addressing mm-hmm. 
your kids' homeschool challenges naturally and yours too. It has been such a pleasure chatting with you today. Thanks for spending time with me. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. And thank you for joining me today. You can find all sorts of free resources on my website, capturingthecharmedlife.com. You can download a free Homeschool Mama daily affirmations to start your morning right, a grappling with overwhelm checklist, and I think the most important self-care strategy is a checklist to address your big emotions. All the show notes and links to this episode will be found at that website, capturingthecharmedlife.com. Subscribe to this podcast to learn more about how to take care of you while you're taking care of your homeschooled kids. If you can think of another homeschool parent who would be encouraged by these discussions, let them know too. Until next time, I hope you and your kids have a charmed week. Or if you're having one of those weeks, I hope you can reframe your challenges and turn them into your homeschool charms.